the last few weeks that you guys have been here, it's been the Advent series, and it's called Advent with Friends. So the first Sunday of the month, we had Pastor Bubba from Resurrection Church. I guess I named my cup after him or vice versa. I don't know. He spoke to us about hope. Uh, last week, Pastor Matias from Crossing Crown down in the U District, Seattle, spoke to us about peace. Next week, Pastor Aaron will be back. We love our, our pastors and looking forward to hearing him talking about joy. But this week, we have the pleasure of welcome, welcoming Seth Winterhalter. Seth is the pastor of Harbor Church in Olympia, and he's going to share about love from 1 Peter. We have common DNA, common history, and Pastor Aaron and Pastor Seth were part of a, 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 are part of a leadership cohort that meets in the South Sound region, a, a group of pastors that stays in touch with each other about their lives. So opportunities like this, where we get to hear from the pastor of another church, um, we have partnerships with, we have relationships with, reminds us that we are part of the greater church, the body of Christ, the church that Jesus loves so much. So this is just a really great opportunity. So we look forward to, I got a chance to hear him in the first service. It was a great message. I think you enjoy it. So if you would please open your Bibles or apps, and Vicki is going to come up and share the scripture with us. So... Thank you, guys, and God bless. Good morning. So this is from 1 Peter chapter 1, 22 through 25. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of, of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and, it, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Amen. And this was the good news that was preached to you. That's what I hope to do today, is preach good news, and that we would see how glorious God's truth is to us. Uh, well, Merry Christmas and Happy Advent, uh, if that's how it works. And uh, just I just want to share uh, our deep love and appreciation from Harbor Church to you. Uh, I love doing what we've done the last few weeks, being able to go and reconnect uh, with some uh, long-seen faces and just uh, and see what God is doing again in Western Washington. You should be encouraged about what God is doing through His church. And so I want to just thank you uh, for being biblically faithful. It's a time when uh, it's easy to choose um, a consumer product instead of a gospel product. And so I think, uh, thank you for being the church, for being faithful to the scripture, to being faithful to Christ-centered worship. And uh, I'm excited today to dig in uh, on the theme of love. Advent is a Latin word. It means adventus. Uh, it comes to us uh, in this meaning of arrival or coming, and it's loaded with anticipation, loaded with Longing, these deep desires for longing. Anyone here longing for anything today? You have anticipation for something? Maybe lunch, right? 
what's interesting about our culture today is so many people have moved into middle class, and with middle class comes disposable income. And with disposable income, uh, plus Amazon Prime, which I'm very thankful for, uh, we, it's really easy to not really anticipate anything. That if you want something, you order it, and it'll be at your house in two days. We've lost a little bit of this anticipation, this longing, and that's what Advent is loaded with. Uh, it specifically refers to the second coming of Christ, but I think it's important for us as Christians who want to remember uh, just the, the history that we find ourselves in, in humanity. Advent is a time where we can identify with the initial longing, uh, the, as, as the the Jewish people were longing for Messiah in the silent age between Malachi and Matthew. Uh, we can identify with that longing as we now uh, long for our Savior to return, not as a babe in a manger, but as a king victorious. Amen? And so, do you anticipate the longing of the coming of Jesus? Is there an anticipation? Are you living? If you asked Harbor Church what my favorite word is, uh, they would answer without a hesitation. Trajectory. I'm a trajectory guy because I believe that there's so many distractions in this world. There's so many distractions that want you to think about creating heaven on earth. And the gospel message is different. It wants and it calls us to have an anticipation for a kingdom that is coming a consummation that is coming. All eternity awaits for us. Are we living for this life now, which the scripture tells us is but a mist and but a vapor, or are we living for the kingdom to come? Advent. Four themes of Advent, hope, love, joy, and peace. You're lighting candles. It's interesting as you look at church history, I'm sure uh, both Pastor Matthias, Pastor Bubba have talked a little bit about this. Uh, you know, some do four candles, some do five, some do 10 because they just didn't know when to stop. Um, you, you know, there's just a lot of differences with the celebration of Advent. Hope, sometimes that's called the prophet candle. It's a celebrating that Jesus is coming, that he came as Messiah, he's coming as king. The love or the faith theme uh, displayed in the Bethlehem candle, representing Joseph and Mary's uh, journey to Bethlehem and Jesus' birth. The joy theme or the shepherd's candle, the joy the world experience of the coming of Christ, the Savior and peace, the angel's candle, message from the angels. What was their message? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Peace. Today though, love. I think we all want to be loved, don't we? Oh, we just want love, love. In fact, we're kind of in the culture right now is all about love. Seems like you can't, you can't hear a, a, a voice without hearing about love. And in fact, in the words of just the current philosopher who's really got a lot to say on this, uh, her name is Rihanna. Uh, so, some of you know her. She's got a song that says, we all, we all, we all, we all, we all, we all, if you don't understand, we all, we all want love. Well, what is love? Love is this deep-rooted longing to be affirmed, to be valued, to be wanted, to be treasured. Even the toughest guy in this room, the grittiest gal in this room, the truth is we all want love. 
we all want affirmation. We all want to know that our life is worth something. It's meaningful. It's purposeful. So we're going to talk about love today. And so I was thinking about love. You know, it's, it's easy to think the antithesis of love is hate. But I think something that the last 12 months of culture has really shown us that that is not true. Because even in our hate, in our bitterness, uh, all you have to do is look. Anyone ever read any comments on Facebook? I, I, I encourage you not to. <laughs> right? If you just want to be depressed out of your life. <laughs> or maybe the comments on a news article or uh, write the replies to a Twitter post. Uh, in those, you often see a lot of hate, a lot of just bitterness and frustration. People dividing into their tribes and their, their values and their worldviews. And see, even in hate, you can find affirmation. You can find value and worth even in your hate. So the antithesis of love is not hate. The antithesis to love is apathy. Because in apathy, it says, I don't affirm you. In fact, I don't even recognize you. I don't have the time of day to even acknowledge your existence. See, we all want love. That's why we're all trying to get noticed. And even sometimes our love looks like hate, bitterness, frustration. Love. Christmas time. The time of love. You know, it's interesting, I think, to look inside at our motives at this time when we're loving, right? It's the season of gift giving. Anyone, Anyone done with your Christmas shopping? One, maybe. Okay, friends. You're just counting on Amazon Prime to not fail you. It's the season of gift giving. We give gifts to show our love, to show how much we value and appreciate. And and oftentimes when you look at the reason and the why and the who we're giving gifts to, you see that oftentimes our love is selfish. We give in order to receive. Now, I'm not just talking about that really odd person. You know, maybe, maybe this is going to be your scenario this week. You're going to go into work. You're just trying to get everything done so you can take a few days off, right, and celebrate Christmas. And, and you walk in, and that person's there. And you're, you're, just, you're still trying to remember their name. Uh, they don't work in your area. But they've, all of a sudden, they come up to you, and they're just excited. And they, they pull out a gift. They're like, it's for you. And you're just like, me? Like, I'm still trying to remember your name. And, and, and open it, open it, open it. They're just so excited. And, and you're opening this gift, and it's just awkward. And you open it, and you're like, man, thanks. And they're just waiting like a golden retriever. like. <laughs> and you're just like, see you at the coffee cooler. And, and they're like, well, you don't have a gift for me? Oh no, I didn't know we were in that room. Have you ever had that happen where someone gives you a gift and they were expecting and you're like, whoa, I did not plan well for this. Now I'm not just talking about the people who give gifts just to get back physical gifts. I'm talking about something a little deeper. If you peel back some of the layers of the onion and really get to our, our gift giving. So for instance, 
my family, uh, on my mom's side, we decided a couple years back to, instead of all the adults buying each other $10 gifts that we're going to throw in the garbage in two weeks, we do the whole draw the name and uh, just buy one person a gift, right? That's something they'd actually use. And so uh, we started doing this uh, a couple years ago. This year, we just drew names uh, a few weeks ago during Thanksgiving. And guess who I drew? I drew my brother's wife. And I was just like, yes, yes, yes. This is going to be, I was so excited because, uh, you, know, you know, it's my sister-in-law. I, I don't know her well, well. I, I know her, you know, as well as a sister-in-law. We get the kids together, cousins play, and, you know, my, my wife and her, uh, you know, have an online digital relationship, right? They follow each other's Pinterest and talk about weird decorating things. And, and so they're connecting, but I don't really know her that well. And I just thought, this is going to be awesome. I've drawn, I've drawn the best name because now I'm gonna, I am going to stalk her on Pinterest. I am going to break into her Amazon wish list and I am going to get her the best gift ever. So when she opens it, she will be like, oh, my brother-in-law is awesome. <laughs> that was my whole goal. And all of a sudden I'm preparing for this message and I'm like, wow, I am really selfish. Because I don't really care what I get her. I just want her to think that I'm the best. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow. In my gift giving, I'm really selfish. It's really more about me than is about her. I mean, think about it for a minute. Think about the people that you love. Who do you love in life? Maybe Maybe it's your parents, your brothers and sisters, that your core family. Maybe it's your spouse. Is that the person you think of when you think of love? Maybe it's your children. Right, it's Christmas time. Any college students in the room? Yeah, college, any? Any of you go to college? It is Shoreline, right? You guys are supposed to be the smart people. Right, so you went to college, you remember college. Uh, remember that when you were in college, all your parents wanted was you to come home for Christmas. They didn't expect you to bring any gifts because the only gifts you could have brought as a broke college student is like Taco Bell hot sauce packets, right? No one, no one needs any of that. Just, just come home. Just be home. So it was great because there was this expectation. I don't gotta. I just gotta be there. That's gonna. My parents are gonna love that. I don't gotta spend any money, and I'm gonna get fed well. And it's gonna be awesome. But I don't know about you, but when I graduated. I, uh, I did a master's degree in New York, and when I came back from New York, started working, there was this expectation that when Seth would show up to parties, like, he should have great gifts, because he's a single dude who has nothing better to spend his money on than his family, right? All of a sudden, this expectation, this expectation shifted, and it's all this pressure. Th- think about the pressure of ha- anyone married today. So you're married, and it's Christmas time, and I'm just telling you that you're under a stress you might not even be aware of. It's called the standards of Christmas gifts. See, already the world has told you how good you are at loving your spouse. High standard is this. If, you, uh, if your spouse doesn't wake up Christmas morning, go out and see a Lexus or a Mercedes with a red bow on top, you have not hit the correct standard. You are already down here. And, and so this standard is, uh, what is it? Every kiss begins with K. K. Yeah. 
I mean, not at my house. That'd be weird at my house. Uh, every Christmas begins with Rachel at my house. But, so it doesn't begin with K. I mean, it might begin with Fred Meyer, maybe. So, so all of a sudden, I'm, I'm down here, right? So I can't, I can't even start where the world's telling me to, to show love. I've got to start down here and hope that my wife will just accept me for who I am. The world is telling you how to love and what levels love looks like. How about with your kids? How many of you, like, I just want to spoil my kids. I love my kids. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know about you. Like this last week, uh, we've been, we've been getting all, these, all this stuff in for a couple big uh, Christmas uh, party things we're doing. And so Amazon is just always delivering stuff. And every time there's a knock on the door, my kid, um, I have uh, two girls and a boy, eight, six, and four. You would think, like, they haven't eaten in years and, and, and someone's come to bring bread, right? And they're just, is it for me? Is it for me? Is it for me? Dad, can I open the box? Can I open the box? I mean, it's just crazy. I'm just like, okay, I'm shipping all your, your toys back. We're not going to have Christmas. It just gets overwhelmed. But, but even in this, so there's just opposing emotions uh, of Christmas. Th- this year, my, my son, four-year-old, he loves trains. And, and so he, uh, anyone's here watch the movie, The Polar Express? Yeah, so his favorite movie is The Polar Express. And he, he is, he's moved even beyond the movie now. Uh, all he wants for Christmas is the Lionel Polar Express train set. Uh, my child is so disturbed that he, he, he you know, he, the other day he's like, hey, I just want to watch, can I watch the Polar Express movie? And I'm like, no, bud, I, I don't know what the DVD is. And he's like, no, 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 on your phone. I'm like, hey, I don't, have, I don't have it on my phone. And he's like, no, 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 you have it on your phone, Dad. The Polar Express videos, uh, you, you know, you showed them to me like a month ago. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? And he, what he wants is on YouTube, there's like, old adult guys unboxing the Polar Express and talking about him like, this is the G gauge, and it's better than the O gauge. And, and he's just like intoxicated, like, yes, yes. So what did his dad buy him for Christmas? The Polar Express train. Because I am awesome. <laughs> right? I'm going to be the best dad ever. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> here it is again. I'm so selfish. It's all about me. Not only do you have to look at who you love and why you love and how you love, let's think for a minute about something that's made a little more uncomfortable. How about, how about those we struggle to love? Think about for a minute the people you struggle to love. Maybe it's your neighbor. Anyone have a neighbor with that dog? That just won't be quiet ever. Anyone have the neighbor that tries every year to outdo National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with the lights? So when we're supposed to be sleeping, it's like the surface of the sun bright. I don't know about you, I I can't sleep with any bright, it's got to be dark. See, there's these things that we do that neighbors can aggravate us and upset us. How about coworkers? Anyone, Anyone have some coworker drama? Right? Maybe you're right now just, just trying, to, trying to bust out some projects so you can make sure that you don't have to think about work on your, on your few days off celebrating Christmas, and there's some slackers on the team that are already checked out, and so you're, you're, you're trying to pull their weight. Or maybe there's just the, the person on your team that always makes bad choices, like bringing tuna fish into the break room. So you can't even enjoy lunch because it just stinks like dead fish. Like, why do people eat that stuff? 
Preach, right? Come on, someone. <laughs> Book of Hesitations, 412. <laughs> we have these conflicts. How about, how about we go really transparent this morning? What about maybe some people in this room? Maybe church members, brothers and sisters in Christ that, man, we just, that's why I'm not a part of that ministry anymore. That's why I had to find another community group to go to. Maybe that's why you're here at Sound Cities. You left another church because people just didn't love you the way you want to be loved, affirm you in your ministry. or It was just annoying because the community group, they always brought the wrong food or I always had to bring the food. Right? There's all these little things in life. And the way, and the reason I, I juxtapose these two different groups is see, with your, with your parents, with your children, with your spouse, you, you don't choose those people, do you? You don't choose your children. They just pop out and they are who they are. You don't choose your parents. You were born to them and you don't choose your siblings. And you don't really choose your spouse. I know you're like, but Seth, I, I chose my spouse. No, you chose the person that you dated. You know when you've played that fake reality show where you tried to, oh, I'm going to complete you. Remember, and then all of a sudden you woke up on your honeymoon and you're like, oh, I can quit that game now and I can just be me and I can, I can actually burp and toot. <laughs> Tell you that I don't really like to watch football. Right? All of a sudden then you wake up and now you have to have, to have a relationship with a real person. So you don't get control over that like you get control over your neighbors. You'll just sell your house and move and find a neighborhood where people think like you, talk like you, look like you. If you don't like your coworkers, you'll start looking for another job. And if you don't like your brothers and sisters in Christ, you'll just find another church. Those things are a lot easier than our families. And even our families, just look at culture. How easy is it to get a divorce? How uh, some of you were just in Thanksgiving and you had family conflict and that's why you won't be hanging out with your family for a while. And I know you guys are participating, Harbor's participating in some foster care work. Western Washington is in foster care chaos right now and it's because it's easier to love yourself than it is to love your kids. Who do you love? Who do you find it difficult to love and what does that say about love? See, I think that when you boil it down, what happens is we have a, a secular worldly love that has been distorted because of the fall, because of sin. And you have a Christ-like love, a Christian love. Worldly love, when you boil it down and peel back the layers of the onion and get to its root, a worldly love is selfish. It says, what's in it for me? Oh, sure, I'll give a little. But when I give, I better be affirmed. I better be valued. I better be treasured. If I'm going to put effort in, I better get a lot back. And Christian love, when you boil it down, sift it in sand, and peel back the layers, its root is not selfishness, but sacrifice. Sacrifice. The ability to pour out without any need or desire to get back. See, we see this in the scriptures 
Harbor Church, we just went through a sermon series on the book of Judges. And I, for, I remembered in the first gathering, you guys have been through Judges, right? Didn't Pastor? I just noticed that I'm just copying whatever Pastor Aaron does. Uh, he did a spiritual gifts thing, I think, for you guys, and we're doing that in March. So I'm looking forward to what you're going to do this next year, so I'll just <laughs> take that on myself, right? But in the book of Judges, don't you see humanity on display? Just selfishness, absorb people that just bring chaos into their lives. And what's interesting, I don't know about you, but sometimes as I'm engaging with lost people and we'll be talking about Christianity in the Bible, I will often hear, well, this is why I can't get into the Bible. It's because in the Old Testament, that God, he's just crazy. He's, he's all angry and he's just upset and he's, he's wrathful and he's mean. And, and my response back is, what Bible are you reading? Because the Bible that I'm reading, the, the book of Judges reveals not, not the wrath of God, but the grace and patience and long-suffering of God. And, and yes, humanity has to face the consequences of its sin. But God's not giving, the, giving consequences that are un, unearned. He's just allowing us to face what we desire. We, we, we want a quick fix and what that does is bring pain and sorrow in the long run. And what's often seen in the Old Testament is God holds those consequences at bay in his love for us. But at times he lets the, the gate, opens the gate and allows us to face those so that we might repent and turn back to him and receive his grace and mercy and love. And the whole Old Testament is telling this story of God's goodness and grace towards creation. Because I don't know about you, but if I was in the place of God, we would have been wiped out at Genesis 3.1. You did what? Where are you, Adam? I'm hiding. You be dead. You be done. Right? That's us. I know some of you, oh, no, not me, I'm so merciful. No, you're not you would destroy them, <laughs> just like a sandbox. Boom, boom, boom. But God is so good, and why is he? Well, he tells us. In fact, that's why I want to talk with you about some New Testament scriptures that just talk about the love of God, this overwhelming love, this true, deep, sacrificial love. Let's start with John 3.16, maybe the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. How much does God love us? It does not say that God loved the world. He so loved. He made a priority of his love. He so loved us that he sent Jesus good news. If you're, uh, I'm sure this is, this is probably just me, but uh, as a pastor, I like to read theology books and, 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 and theologians, because they have nothing better to do, like to argue about things. And uh, one of the arguments kind of over the last 10 years has been the idea of God sending Jesus to earth uh, in what we call his substitutionary death, this, uh, to, to pay the price that, that God the Father would actually pour out his wrath on God the Son uh, and, and on sin so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for sin. And what's happening is 
sin is being diluted and, and the need of just love just reigns so there really is no consequence for sin, which is foolishness. Uh, but in light of this, theologians then say that uh, the, their, their takeaway is, well, this is why I can't really believe that because if God sends the Son uh, and all this wrath comes on the Son, then that's like divine cosmic child abuse. And if you really unpack that, you would see just, I just don't even understand why it's even an argument because here's the truth. To, to say that, to believe that, would mean that God the Father has something that God the Son doesn't. And we know Trinitarian theology that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are three exact persons in one being, all-knowing, all-powerful. So, so Jesus, God the Son, is not a helpless Isaac who Abraham is like, just come with me and we're going to go up on a mountain and play a game or something. Right? You know the story, Abraham and Isaac? He's not like hoodwinking. I, God the Father's not, well, why don't you just go down to earth and you can just hang out for a while. <laughs> right? God the Father is sending God the Son who knows exactly what's in store for him. Philippians 2 that he humbled himself, he took on knowingly the form of a servant, that Jesus, God the Son, says, who, who is a, a formless being, who is all-powerful, who, who, who no form has ever bound him, binds himself by becoming that babe who was laid in a cow trough, who not only was a babe who took on this form of humanity, his creation, but lived a life of suffering, poverty, of exhaustion, frustration, and then went and died for us. He knew exactly what he was getting into. For God so loved, he gave his only son. Jesus knew, and God knew, as he gave his son what his Son, not physical son, the spiritual reality of their positions and oversight. The father sends the son, the son is all-knowing, he knows exactly, and the father knows what it, the son, who's he, who he's been in an eternal relationship with, will face and walk through. That's called good news, friends. The incarnation that Christ, that God Almighty would take the form of a human is the greatest miracle the world's ever known. It's greater than any supernatural healing. It's greater than feeding 5,000 people with two loaves and two fishes. It is crazy, miraculous. And it's good news. John 3.16 leads us to Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners... Christ died for us. While we were sinners, God shows his love for us. How many of you like Christmas music? Mm-hmm, that's a pretty good. In the first service, we had some people were like, nope. It's prayer afterwards, <laughs> right? Christmas music and, and, and Christmas music, you know, we gotta be careful, we have to be honest that there's a lot of Christmas music that's pretty eh, theologically, Got to be careful out there. And in fact, there's, there, there's, because now in current culture, current culture loves holidays, which basically means vacation time. And so, right, so they want Christmas, but they don't want 
Christ. They don't want gospel. So how, how do we do this? They got to kind of change up their theology. So, so there's two. There's like Santa Claus theology and, and Christ-centered theology. And, and they, they all have music. We sang a bunch of Christ-centered music this morning, Christ-centered theology. It's who God is. Uh, but Santa Claus music has music too, right? Uh, he knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when, which is kind of creepy. Let's just be honest. And then the song gets worse. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be. Yeah, you sang better than the first service. That was nice. So be good for goodness sake. And then we put this guy called an elf on a shelf all over our home. And we're like, we're looking at you. Making sure you're going to be good. If you're not good, he's going to report it to the big guy. That big guy's going to make sure you get nothing but coal. Right? Anyone feel the conviction right now by the Holy Spirit? You, you, and here's the issue. It's not that I, you know, Pastor Seth, it's just a cute thing. Yeah, I get it. But here's the problem. Cute things become religious things. And all of a sudden, your 18-year-old says, this religion is just that. It's about moralism. It's about being good and, and bad, and I just don't care anymore. That's why we, we have to preach the gospel, and we have to be careful what the world says. And I'm not saying that we, we throw out uh, all, all of these things. I'm saying that we have to walk through them as Christians and be careful that we don't have a Santa theology that we stay rooted in Christ because someone in this room this morning, this is your issue with Christianity. Maybe a friend brought you this morning or maybe you found your way here or maybe you've been here for a few months and you're like, Seth, here's the issue. This is why I can't walk uh, into a Christ-centered relationship. It's because I'm not good enough. You don't understand all the shame and the guilt of all my past sins. And I just, I still got to do some work to, to get it together so that Christ would even love me. I'm unlovable. The, the Christian gospel is not powerful enough if you really knew how dark and how deep my sin is and how maybe dark and, sin, and sinful I still am and what I'm still struggling with. Seth, you don't understand. This is why the gospel, and I just want to say to you today, that's not the gospel. That's Santa Claus theology that you're responding to. You're responding to a message that says, I've got to get myself at least to some level, K-Jeweler level, Red Bow car level, whatever you've determined in your mind, I've got to get there and then Christ can do some work for me. But see, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, while we were sinners. And you know what that means? covers the whole gamut. While I was directly opposed to the lordship of Christ, while I was the lord of my own life, trying to manufacture for myself hope, love, joy, and peace, while I was trying to purchase joy through my Amazon Prime account, while I was trying to create peace and love through a marriage or through children or through friendships, while I was trying to manufacture hope uh, through creating a heaven on earth experience for myself, while I was the Lord of my life, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. While I had nothing but coal in my stocking, Christ died for me. 
So that's why it's called good news, friends. The gospel, good news, is just that. And when, when we get influenced by the world and create a Santa Claus theology and put an elf on our shelf, we're not giving good news. We're giving, I think, bad news. News that says you've got to get it together, and that's just not the truth. Christ came for you because God loved you and gave his only son while you were a sinner. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love. Anyone want to know love this morning? By this we know love that he, Jesus Christ, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You see, Christian love, Christ-centered, Christ-like love is sacrificial. And our love, now redeemed by Christ, should model Christ. As we've been loved by Christ, as he has died for us, we should love the same way. To who? To our brothers and sisters in Christ. Love one another. John 15, Jesus' own words. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, Jesus says. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. That's such a great text to memorize. We need to walk in the truth of that, walk in the belief of that. How do I abide in the love of God? Keep his commandments. Praise God for a book filled with his commandments. Well, I just don't know what are his commandments. ding a ding a ding a ding You know, there's over 50 commands in the New Testament that we call the one another commands. But the commands that God gives his church to love one another, serve one another, honor one another, encourage one another, admonish, right? Over 50 commands that we're to walk in. So finding out the commands isn't difficult. What's difficult is actually not being selfish and actually being sacrificial. Once again, it shows us what kind of love we're actually walking in. This leads us to our primary text this morning, 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. Let me just set it up because if you don't walk through the other two sections before it, you don't understand fully what Peter's trying to say. In 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9, he says this. He says to his audience, you have been born again. He's speaking to Christians. You've been born again. You have this new life. You've been born again, not only to new life, but to a living hope. You are members of an eternal kingdom that is already, but not yet. You are in this. And all of this is because of the love of Christ. In fact, there's one of the most beautiful verses in scripture. 1 Peter 1, 8 says this. He says, though you have not seen him, he's talking about Jesus, though you have not seen him, you love him. Is that your heart this morning? Though I have not seen Christ, I love him. Then he goes on, verses 13 through 16, he says, therefore, so he's moving from an indicative truth statement now to an imperative command, and he says, therefore, due to that new birth, due to that living hope, Now here's what you do. Be holy as Christ is holy. Walk in holiness. Walk in righteousness. Yes, there's this great truth. It's called the great exchange. That at the cross of Christ, 
He, he takes on all of our sin, every sin you've had, past, present, even the future sins you haven't committed yet, Christ takes on for himself. And not only does he take on your sin, he gives you something. It's called the robes of righteousness. Anyone wear a robe this morning? That's a good fashion choice. I want to applaud you. Robes of, it just, what it means is when God looks at us, he doesn't see my reality, my sin. He sees the, the, the covering of righteousness that Christ walked in in his perfect life, which is now attributed to me. But what this doesn't mean then is I should just sin and do whatever I want. No, I should, I should love Christ. I should walk in grace and in the empowerment of the Spirit now so that I can walk in that righteousness that Christ has walked in for me. And when I walk in righteousness, when I walk in the obedience uh, to the commands of God, you know what I'll experience? The hope, love, joy, and peace that I've been longing for. Because his commands aren't just these nebulous, like, I created, you know, I was just kind of bored, and I wrote 10 things on some stone tablets because it fit. That's not what God was doing. God is purposeful. He's intentional. And he gives us commands that actually lead us to him so that we can experience the fullness of him. Now, 1 Peter 1, 22-25, let me just read the first part again. It says, having, having, so it says, okay, now that you have new life and a new hope, and now that you've been walking in holiness, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, you, you have, you've been obeying, you've been, what did John 15 said? You've been walking in the commands of God, and abiding in the love of God. Now that has been purifying you because the Holy Spirit's been working in you and your heart has been moved from death and selfishness to purification, to sacrificialness. Now because of that, for a sincere brotherly love, do what? Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. When you get the vertical relationship right, when you walk in the gift of grace and mercy and forgiveness and salvation that God gives you through Christ in Christ, when you get the vertical right, then the response to that, the natural outflow of that is for you to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this morning, if you're having some problems loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, I would compel you to look at your relationship with Christ and to see that maybe you don't love Jesus for Jesus. Maybe you love Jesus as a means to an end. Maybe you love Jesus just because you're hoping that he'll give you what you desire. He'll give you the health that you think you deserve because, well, I serve with all the sick kids in the nursery. So he, he owes me health and life. Or I give pretty faithfully to the church, so he owes me a good life and the house I want and the things I want or he owes me whatever it is that sometimes we tell ourselves that we, have you ever bartered with God? Something goes wrong and your natural reaction is to say, well, God, if you'll just do this, then I'll, I'll finally start tithing. No, not really. I'll, I'll finally start serving. I'll finally, right? It just shows us that we really serve God as a means to an end that we want, not what God's calling us to, a kingdom. having purified our hearts. And that's not a work we do, that's a work only the Spirit of God can do in us as we bow our knee and say yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And what happens? Obedience to God's truth results in this purified heart, and a purified heart then results in being able to love the brothers and sisters of Christ. Now let me encourage you with this. This is why I wanted to to go on. I love verse 24. All flesh is like grass. It's glory like the flower, and it withers and it fades. It's just a great reminder that reminds us that your life is going to end here. This life is but a mist and but a vapor. So what are you living for? Are you living for the kingdom that is coming? Are you truly living for an eternal kingdom? Do you anticipate the consummation of Christ's work? Because if you do, if you are, I believe it allows you to live in a Christ-like loving way. The only way you'll really be able to sacrifice your life is to know that Christ has eternity in store for you, that it's all worth it, that you don't need to receive what you, uh, heaven on earth in this life because you know that God is actually bringing that to fruition in a life to come. Your new life is eternal. So I say that to say this, what is difficult in this life? How, how do you know it's difficult to love? To love truly in Christ-like with sacrificial love? It's difficult. It's difficult because I'm loving sinners who oftentimes make it hard, but I'm also a sinner. And so I make it hard. But hear this. What is difficult now will become default in eternity as Christ completely finishes the work within us. Philippians 1.6. What is difficult now will become default in eternity. Let me read for you just another passage. 1 John 4.7 says this. Beloved Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son Send his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Kind of summarizes it all this morning. We can only love because we've seen love. We've seen the perfect love. God the Father Sending God the Son. God the Son coming for us when we were not worth coming for. God the Son encouraging us to abide in his love. How? By obeying commands. Commands that when we walk in are life giving to us. This is the love of Christ. So let us abide in his love. Vertical that allows us to love one another. And friends, can I just say this? This doesn't just mean the Christians who you choose to gather with in your community group. This doesn't just mean the Christians in this room. This means every brother and sister in Christ, even some of those in some other states or some other locations or some other churches that don't quite think like we think. Maybe we don't vote like we vote. Maybe they don't, look or act or, or whatever. If we're all Christians, we're all centered in 
this word and in the worship of Jesus Christ and some of those tertiary, even secondary things, friends, don't let us cop out and not actually walk in the love of Christ towards one another. What does that look like for us? As we close, I just want to encourage you in two things. The first is this. If you're not a Christian this morning, would you believe? Would you believe in the good news of the gospel? Romans 10.9 tells us this. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, he says four words that are so beautiful They give us assurance and hope. He says this, if you do those two things, you will be saved. Wow, really? That's it? I don't gotta gotta make it right? I don't gotta go do a lot of good good things to even out the scales? No. Profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not you. Your job isn't to, to have control. Your job is to bend the knee. And then believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Why is that important? Because if the resurrection didn't happen, the life and death of Christ is pointless. It's just a moral lesson. But if God raised him from the dead, then everything changes. That means eternity is coming. Kingdom of heaven is coming. Believe today. And if you say, I already believe, then can I encourage you to do this work? Take some time this Christmas season to be introspective and really evaluate who you love, why you love them, and how you love them. And might we see through the conviction of the Spirit that our love has a little too much selfishness in it. What would it look like if our love had selfishness eradicated and by the power of the Spirit He allowed us to walk in true sacrificial love. How would that change this church if some of the relationships that are broken or fractured or hanging on by a thread were redeemed through the love of Christ? And what would it look like if Sound City started to allow that love, that sacrificial love, to bleed out into every neighborhood, into every city in this region? the gospel at work. Good news, actively. Amen? Father God, would you help us today? God, we, we first just need an awe for the love of Christ, that he would do what only he did, and that is incarnated to take the form of humanity, to live the life that we have not, a life of worship and devotion, of obedience to God the Father, which allowed him to die the death that we deserved, a death for the propitiation of our sins so that we might taste complete forgiveness, that we might walk in redemption and reconciliation to God the Father. And Father, then you, by the power of the Spirit, rose Jesus from death to life so that we would know that while we will taste death in this life, it is not our end, is but the next chapter. We will realize that this life is simply a preface and our eternity is the book that you shall write on our hearts and on our minds. May we live a trajectory life focused 
on the kingdom. Allow that to help us to pour out our life in loving sacrifice. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Sound City, can we thank Pastor Seth for leading us this morning? Appreciate you, brother. Well, as we reflect on what we've just heard from Pastor Seth and what we've just heard from God's Word, we'll turn to a time of response now. We'll respond in a number of different ways, as we often do. We'll respond through giving and through the receiving of the Lord's Supper together, through singing, and through uh, going through some application questions and prayer points as well to get us started in our, uh, or to get us going in our continued response throughout the week. But we'll start our response through giving. And so if the financial stewards go ahead and come. Uh, we'll start that way. Now, if you're a guest, a couple important things for you to know about this time of giving. We view this time of giving, giving as a time of worship, just like every other part of the s- service. But if you're new, please also know that you're under no obligation to give at all. We're just really glad that you've joined us this morning. Uh, for the rest of us who will be giving, though, uh, a reminder that the Scriptures instruct us to really take great care to give uh, joyfully. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, leading the way for us in this, saying, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if you give, as we give, let's do so with that biblical principle in mind. Now, if you've got questions about how to give other than through the baskets that are coming around, there's some information on the screen that should help you in that regard. You can text to give. There's information on our website. Uh, There's information at the bottom of the weekly that you were handed when you came through the doors this morning. You can also talk to the folks out at the Connect Desk, and they'd be happy to explain any of those methods for you uh, and help you in any way they can. Now, as the giving baskets are coming around right after that, you're going to see the communion element baskets come around. And while all that's going on, let me offer up a couple discussion questions for us to consider throughout the week and some prayer points as well. These are all noted in your weekly, just for your reference, but I'll read them for us now as well to just begin our time of reflection on these. Number one, what are the ways you have walked in worldly love by giving only in order to gain for yourself? That's number one. Number two, what are some ways that you have been loved with Christ-centered sacrificial love? So good thing for us to consider and then share with our groups. Number three, what gospel truths would God have you commit to memory so that you would never fail to remember his love for you? Number four, how is God asking you to grow in loving your Christian brothers and sisters in the year to come as we're about ready to hit 2018? Uh, Number five, how specifically might you purpose to grow in actively loving Jesus in the year to come? Now, a few prayer points as well to get us started. Number one, we could be praying that God would grow us in our understanding of biblical love and in our commitment to increasingly living out that love with one another. And then prayer point number two, we can be praying that our love for God and one another would be an encouraging witness to those who are far from God concerning who Jesus is and that it would encourage many to put their faith in him for the first time. Maybe that's even some of you today. And I'll go ahead and invite the band to come whenever they're ready as well. And as they get set to lead us here in just a few minutes, we'll also respond this morning through the Lord's Supper, which the Bible speaks of as a memorial meal for all Christians, the bread and the juice reminding us of Jesus' body and blood and of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and me. The Apostle Paul gives us instruction in the Scriptures, reminds us of what Jesus says about the communion meal, saying this in 1 Corinthians 11. Paul saying, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Well, with that, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll respond in song. And as we do, you can take the communion elements as you see fit. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for Pastor Seth. Thank you for Harbor Church and for their friendship in the gospel with us here at Sound City Bible Church. Lord, you get to define what love is, not us. And we thank you for the reminder this morning of what love really is, as it's rightly defined in your word. Father God, we thank you that you have shown us uh, your love for us in so many ways, and that you have done so most significantly by sending your son Jesus into the world, that we might live through him, as your word says. Lord God, uh, we love you because you first loved us. And as we respond now, we just pray all this through your son and by your spirit. Amen.